When I got to New York, I felt, oh my God, this is a place I can be my authentic self. I also was obsessed with how everyone's obsessed with work here. Yeah. <laughs> like, but even kids, I, love the grind. I like yeah. loved that. Like yeah. I was like friends with kids that were like, if they're selling weed, like they're selling yeah. weed. Like if they're like making zines, they're making zines. Like it was no, just- just less hustle culture in Southern California. Yeah, for sure. it's not like the values felt very twisted to me. You know, it felt like it really did hinge on who your parents were and what you looked like. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of High Low with Amrata. Today, we have on a dear friend of mine who I just adore, Paloma El Saucer. She doesn't always do interviews. I wanted to have her come in a while ago, and luckily, we have finally gotten her in. So we're going to talk about that, about privacy, about when she decides to step out, when she doesn't. We're going to talk about her journey into the fashion world, mental health, honestly, a whole bunch of things. So, without further ado, Paloma. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so pleased to be here. I'm honored. No, I'm honored. I like (laughs) when I first got the podcast, you were on my list. Of people Obsessed. and yeah I actually wanted to like ask you what made you want to come on because sometimes you oscillate between quiet girl modeling and then like outspoken even just on your socials yeah the pop out I think that I get kind of the conversation fatigue or advocacy fatigue I'm definitely not like an activist or by any means but I think my personality has always kind of oriented towards that that shift and that oscillation where it's like I'm an internet girly but people don't really know like know what's actually going on in my day-to-day or I choose to share more I'm just like extremely selective and as of late I feel like over the last year or so and especially as it pertains to kind of my like IP and this has happened throughout my career where I'm like super outspoken or feel super inspired um, and then there's times when I feel that my words my thoughts, my existence kind of get out of my control, which obviously I can't control much. But do you know what I mean? Just when it comes down to specifically the ways in which your intellectual property ideas and thoughts are platformed or in my experience, I just know when I'm like, I want to take a break. And that means sometimes I'm like not posting on Instagram at all or like not sharing much or like not posting about work or I just get into moods. I truly go with the tides. And I also feel that if the like centerpiece of my work or my whatever, however people perceive me is like keeping it honest and keeping it true, like that can't be 100% all the time. That is inherently dishonest. That is inherently untrue. Do the work. Yeah. How did you start? How What's what's the journey? Because you were in school for journalism, right? Psychology, Psychology. and literature, I okay. guess. But I feel as of late, I've been reflecting more as a, like, 
in a less like punctuated way, actually about what happened before it even happened, you know, or like what was like the minutia of that thing. Because of course yeah. I could be like, oh, and then I was in school and then I got scouted by Pat McGrath and all these things, which is not irrelevant, but I've been looking and thinking a lot more about these like little moments of things that were like, happening. How did I get here? Yeah, like, how did I get here? Like, yeah. what happened? Like, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> like, literally, yes. what the hell? I know. And then also, like, being in a position when you have, like, now a career and, like, you have to kind of, I, at least I do, have to be reflective of the past to also understand the present and the future, you know? So it's like, I can't just be like, okay, that happened. So, yeah, I think I've been thinking a lot about how I'm like, oh my God, I'm so shocked that I became a model. And like, yes, of course, on a systemic level, on a visibility level, like all of these things are surprising and shocking based off, off the media that we were consumed as kids. Also, I have like all of these pictures are like always, you know, are, at, I don't know if you know Atlanta, mm-hmm. but like Atlanta's mom, Amanda, who's amazing. And is like, I've yes. grown up with them my whole life. And, like, how many pictures, like, Amanda has of me as, like, a kid and kind of, like, my older sister. Modeling, Like, literally modeling. But, like, but people seeing beauty in me that at the time when I was that age and in that world and, like, I was surrounded by intensely intense privilege and, like, whiteness and wealth and all these things in my outward life. Um, Not as much as, like, my home life by any means. But, yeah, that there was people kind of, like, pulling it out of me and that somewhere residing in, like, this, like, chubby eight-year-old girl, like, I was down, you know? I was, right. like, my older sister You're like, that's was, right. Yeah, I'm like, that's right. Let me take yeah. this moment. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, my older sister already, always shooting photos of me and then being kind of this, like, weird, like, muse to my, like, friends with a camera in high school and college and yeah. these kinds of things, which is pretty random. I guess I haven't thought about that much until more recently. So... I was in school. I got to New York. I was very uncomfortable in LA. I was like partying and like crazy. I was very much so like that girl. And then got to New York kind of off of a scholarship. I went to the new school, was studying psychology and literature. I wrote poetry all of my like, pretty much all of my like adolescence and like childhood. And my poetry is kind of what got me into all these schools because I wow. went to five high schools. Oh, damn. I was you were one girl. of those. She was one of those. She was a Mbenga. Oh. <laughs> but like, it wasn't cute. It was like... Like messy? Yeah, it was just messy and scary. And yeah. Like, I mean, being 15 and... Yeah. yeah about as scary. Yeah. <laughs> just the whole vibe of it. And so I had to use that kind of writing stuff that I was doing to get into school because I was not like a um, acceptable candidate. So you use your creative. Yeah. 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 That's like, cool. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to write this essay that's going to like pretty much overshadow that I can't do basic math. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's Yeah. You, but, I mean, I'm sure you really, you know, it's like yes, you kind of relate. like orient. You're like, okay, I'm going to get like an A in this English class or the you know, the English creative writing teacher is going to be like, I see it for you. So I'm going to get, you know, or whatever, or the potential. You have so much potential, but you are choosing to smoke weed every single day and do drugs, party. But But, (laughs) yeah, but you get here. So whatever, I was in school, um, kind of just like, like figuring it out. And then I had a couple friends who started shooting me and like shooting pictures is also like 2011 it's instagram i've also been chronically online like my whole life it's not just oh my god and then i discovered instagram like i was putting my 
poetry on like live journal every night oh, wow. tumblr girly yeah myspace girly i mean not to like fame level by any means but right. always utilizing it always kind of like seeking refuge in it whatever it, the platform was at the moment you were yeah i was it, into yeah. you know i like i loved creating my own little world so you were posting yourself online basically so you even before you had like a career you yeah were, you were yeah. building kind of an image yeah but also like myself my friends a weird door like that's kind of the era like that <laughs> was the that era of like what it was yeah. and slowly it began to build like you know whatever this little corner of the internet mm -hmm. that worked and I was like living in New York and also I think pre-fashion it wasn't like I was like plucked out of obscurity like I was also a 20 year old girl living in New York like you were cool whatever you were it was. a bitch yeah. you were cool <laughs> I know because I know. Okay, everybody, don't worry about it. I know because I know because I know. But what was that like going from LA to New York? I'm. We can get back in yeah. kind of your breakout moment, quote unquote. But like, I do want to talk to you about the culture of New York City, and yeah, because that is how I knew you before I knew. Yeah. You know, you were like a famous model who you know I was seeing everywhere. I was like, oh, Paloma is she's an it girl of like the downtown fuck it i mean whatever you know right. which is also by the way cooler than just being like a beautiful face that someone was like oh we pulled out you built an identity right that people connected to and you were talking a little bit about la what that was like being in high school there what was it like coming from there to new york it wasn't jarring i actually felt so much i feel that my whole life has been kind of like narrated by this like obsession and compulsion to get closer and closer to like whatever version of authenticity i know to be true mm. and that changes at each time so i felt like in la i was like in constant pursuit of that and still felt pretty isolated i mean i'm still very close with many of my friends i grew up with and we found these little like corners of music and style like I did seek refuge and a lot you know my friends that were like skaters are just like kind of existing on a fringe level mm -hmm. you know I think we our era of of subculture was just like popping off right at that moment it wasn't that we're like oh we existed when nobody thought it was cool it was like it was like happening we're like right. in the stew of all this thing it's like when for instance, like skating became fashion when these things, like this was all happening mm -hmm. at the same time, but very quickly, like it went from being in middle school and me being like, oh, a skater likes me, he's a loser, to like by the end of high school being like, he's hot. Yeah. Like it was like very strange. Yeah. And I'm listening in seventh or eighth grade to, God, I don't know, insert Elliot Smith and like The Cure or whatever. Yeah. And then within like two years or three years, it's like, oh, wait, no, this is like what everyone needs to be doing. Totally. I um, remember that. So, yeah, like the, it was just when when sub became pop or whatever. Not Obviously, there's tides of when that happens, but I definitely succinctly remember that happening sure. in L.A. And also feeling really disconnected to ultimate expression. Mm -hmm. And so I would go to New York. My older sisters lived in New York for 20 years, more than 20 years. So, and she went to Pratt and she was like living in New York and lived on the Lower East Side for, you know, so I would go in the summer and be like, this is different. They party different. Mm -hmm. I also was engaging with people that like, there was just a diversity that I wasn't experiencing in the LA 
that I lived in. I really had to like seek that out in the LA that I existed in versus like the neighborhood I grew up in, my cousins, my family, and then like going to schools on the West side that was predominantly like rich, wealthy people who I like, many of them I still love, but, and it's funny because now many of the friendships that I have really close are those that like, we were all the outliers within that. But when I got to New York, not to say that doesn't exist, but the New York at which I was engaging with was really opposite to that. And I felt, oh my God, this is a place I can be my authentic self. I also was obsessed with how everyone's obsessed with work here. Yeah. (laughs) But even kids, I I, loved that. Like I was like friends with kids that were like, if they're selling weed, like they're selling weed. Like if they're like making zines, they're making zines. Like it was just- There's just less hustle culture in Southern California. Yeah, it's not like the values felt very twisted to me. You know, it felt like it really did hinge on who your parents were and what you looked like. Well, even the way you're kind of breaking down this separation between alt and pop, yeah, that isn't as clear in New York City. No. But in California, it is very clear. Like you have basically preppy pop, that high school, whatever, and then you have cool, but that was something that was in the shadows. Yeah. Did you have that moment of like, I belong here? I feel like I really, I really did. Mm-hmm. I actually came here, I like was also partying a lot, like got really, also I made a very, pointed attempt that I was like, I'm not going to be one of these LA people that moves to New York and only hangs out with LA people. I got into other schools. I like got into Bard, but I was like, I don't want to, I want access to a whole city of people. And I got that. And I felt really excited by that. I kind of like ran myself into the ground really quickly and I had to move back to LA, stop drinking, stop doing drugs. Is that when you got sober? Yeah, that's when I got sober. Um, I was 19. I was tripping at the time. It was a really scary, unfortunate kind of like era. I'm so grateful for it. And me going back to LA for that like a year and a half, it wasn't miserable, but what I learned in it is that like that wasn't where I was supposed to be. Well, it sounds like you had been kind of like spinning a bit, maybe in a good way, but if you're a bunch of different schools, whatever. Yeah, I had been spinning for a while. Like it was like. So what was the moment that made you be like, okay, I need to take a second? I actually don't know. What's interesting is that I was so young and I can't point it towards anything besides like literally like a spiritual intervention that was happening because I like, I'm extremely controlling. I'm like, I'm I'm an Aries ass bitch. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So it's like, I'm just, but my determination actually to get back to New York really helped me build a foundation. I was going to say a lot of people leave. And they're like, the city ate me up and like, I never came back. So what made you want to come back? I felt unfinished. Uh, I was like, I am not done here. Wow. I am not done here. And And you knew it. And I just knew it. Like it was just, it was explicitly clear. Mm. Like I came back, I like lived with my friend whose mom, you know, they live in like a one bedroom on 4th and 4th Street and 2nd Avenue. I lived with her. I had like trash bags and this was still like, almost two years sober wow like worked at a t-shirt store worked at a little magazine but it was that's all i wanted you know so i think new york is a place at which i definitely didn't grow up but a place that raised me in a lot of ways over the last 12 and something years you know and it was fundamental to my career now and how i see it and the importance and kind of the balance We will be back with more Paloma after this break. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. Okay, so let's talk about the journey that happened after that with your career. I felt swept up, but it also felt intentional. Or as much as I can like make that time feel fuzzy, it actually felt more now that I reflect on it, it was far more intentional than I anticipated. I like saw definitely I had people who believed in me kind of around it before I could believe in myself in a way, but you know, I had done a couple of shoots. I had done a little things. And also when I was younger, I like wanted to write. But I also was like obsessed with Lala Anthony. Well, now it's Lala Anthony, but she used to be synonymously just Lala. Yeah. And I was like, my like literal dream is to be an MTV DJ. Like that's my dream. I could see that. Yeah, I remember like, that was such a big, like they were the coolest. They were the coolest. Yeah. I'm like, if I'm not Suchin Pak by the end of <laughs> sixth grade, it's they were over. they were serving looks. No, too. they were serving looks. They I always serving remember news. thinking like they that's were, what like, I wanted in be. the world. Yeah, like, and like how I wanted to dress. I didn't want the job, but I wanted to dress like respect. Them. Yeah, yeah. I know. I was like, oh, I want to be like in the world, like mm-hmm. talking and being and like connecting with these people. Yeah. So, I so in a way, knowing that I was like, okay, maybe sure, I'll do something in that department. But I had done a couple shoots, done a couple things, and finally enough, like. This woman that I met, her name was Stevie Dance. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know Stevie, yeah. but she was at the time, like, she is still a photographer, but she's a fashion editor at Pop. And I met her through Alex Olsen, literally on a corner across from Cafe Select. And she was like, you should model. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like in a way, like I was like, yes, sure. But I never imagined that it could like garner money or a career. It could right. Be this, you like, weren't thinking about thing. a career. You were like, no, no, sure, no. take my picture. Take my picture. Right. 100%. Like, people have been doing that since I was a baby, but, like, I'm not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I was like, sure, like, I'll pop out. Like, yeah. but never, ever imagining it would, like, materialize to where it has. And how old were you at that point? I was 21. Okay. I was so, 21. a baby so, like, But a baby, but late for modeling. Right, yeah, totally. But and like, and newly sober. And, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Like, all these things broke. <laughs> and, like, in That's school, a way to turn something into a career, though. Straight up. Because <laughs> that's what the real pop-off was, yeah. was that it was, like... Did that, Stevie had me come to her studio, we took pictures, she really put on for me, you know, she like talked to all these agencies that at the time the only, the kind of like main board agency that was taking people on was IMG, but I was with a smaller agency that had a curve board, but at first everyone said no to me and I don't, this isn't like my like hero's journey tale, but it was important that that happened. One, it wasn't my dream at the time, so I didn't like take it as personally, But within that time, it just became also the conversation around diversity. And, you know, plus size modeling has existed for a very, very, very long time. Like it is a billion dollar business. It has existed forever. But the intersection or the invitation or the kind of response in fashion wasn't happening. And I think timing was really on my side in a way because there was tons of girls that were like making changes but it was like there wasn't to fashion's understanding like a girl like me 
on the well, runway or... yeah or on the or just like in the space mm-hmm. you know so it was like because i'm never i'd never up until that point even oriented or understood what like being a commercial girly was i was like literally like in a dirty hoodie like at like a bad after hours and right you know what i mean like that but I think you were too cool to be commercial that's the way that it was like yes positioned mm-hmm. and that's the way that i was like more understood mm-hmm. And then also with that, everyone saying no, I was like, hmm, okay, well, whatever. I'm going to keep it pushing. I, like, worked at La Esquina. I went on a tour bus with my friend and helped, like, tour manage him. And then I got a call from Pat. And, like, I like I said, I had done some shoots. I had, like, shot ID. I had been asked to do these, like, little thingies. Mm-hmm. But it was never, like, a real tentative thing. And then I got an email from Pat's team being like, we're developing this new makeup brand, this mm-hmm. new thing. And also, I've always loved clothes. I've always loved style, but I wasn't Prada 2006. Like, I was really not really attached to fashion in a way that felt like obsession. Well, you were probably expressing yourself, but yeah. you weren't like a reference No, no, no. Girly. No, no, yeah. no. But there, was, there were a few names or like figureheads that I was like okay I know who Pat McGrath is I know who Steven Mizell is and obviously like models but and so when I got the email I was like holy shit I'm like oh my god what do I do what do I do and I was like well I'm at a music festival in Philadelphia I don't know how I'm gonna get to New York City by tomorrow and they like sent me a train ticket I asked my friend who I was tour managing and like the whole team if I could leave and like go get your bag like do your thing I really had no idea what I was getting into and that first shoot really kind of galvanized the intention like following that I was like oh so I guess I can't go meet these agents in like a dirty hoodie like whatever I can like I'm like okay I'm gonna wear like a boot I guess but what was it was it the images of yourself that you saw that made it all come together yeah it was the images. You were it like, was, oh shit, who's that? Yeah, yeah. Like I was, I just like saw myself, not for the first time by any means, but I, I saw myself as something that I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. And also having someone like Pat, who's like such an icon and like a legend and truly like a mentor in this process is also like as a black woman in an industry that was completely denying of her the credit at which she's due and now happy that she's getting and seeing how pointed she was in her work and all of these things that I was like oh like like intention intent yeah, yeah like really like she was like this is how I see it this is how I want it this like even seeing the way that she would like play with the makeup and like dot it on my my you know come in like there'd be an assistant like kind of doing it and she would make one tweak and I was like oh this is what is possible like she really showed me what was possible wow that's and she so also beautiful. it was incredible that's a magical i mean it's like a magical no story was... just and it makes me feel so much justice for people who've worked in the industry and so for so long to have like another black woman who worked her ass off didn't get the credit she deserved finally reach a point where she's able to say like no this is beautiful yeah. and bring other black women into that space is like it's very hopeful i know yeah it was it was and when i also really was so impacted by was she said something to me that I say all the time but it was like the first time it wasn't like I was there because I was like this cool like new curve like plus size girl she was just like you have a perfect face for makeup that's why you're here like so great it was so fab I was like okay so then I started working with her a bunch and then I went back to agencies and then that's kind of where it started and very quickly was I like why do I feel so miserable 
Like, why do I feel so crazy? And I also realized I was contending also with despite school not being my like thing, I'm am obsessed with learning. And yeah. that like I had to kind you of come you come from an intellectual yeah, family. Yeah, background. very yeah. Very that. So it was like I have to put that down. Like the image or the idea that like, oh, I'm gonna be a writer, oh I'm gonna do this. Or I'm luckily like these things started to click mm-hmm. while my first kind of year working where I was like, I feel really, and if I don't center or bring my voice and my humanity into this job, into my career, like I will suffer. Like it is pointless. You won't be able to do it. I will not be able to do it. It's not sustainable for you. No. Like, and that's kind of what happened. And it ended up working to my benefit in some way because I feel like it was also an era at which models were finally being given a moment to, you know, I also want to call out that, like, it was just that there was a lot of us speaking up. And I want to call out that it's historically for, you know, Beth Ann's been talking for, you know, 30, 40 years at this point. Like, models have always had a voice, but it felt that at the time, in the age of Instagram, all these things and all these things that were happening, that there was more of us. Mm-hmm. There was more of us. I mean, I always think about if I hadn't had the internet in the way that I did, I wouldn't have had a career because I was able to say to people, no, this is how I see myself and this is, and you have to see me this way. I wasn't just waiting for some agent to be like, oh, I get it. You know, you you build the image, you build yeah. the, yeah. And, and then, you also got, you build the, the esteem around knowing like what it is. Like actually you may think I need to do it this way, but it also works this way. Why don't I just do, I mean, there was a lot of that, like push and pull with my first team. Like they really had a very prescriptive kind of like commercial plus size version of like what I should and shouldn't be doing. And I was like, that's literally not why I'm here. It's amazing that you have always been brave enough to be authentic because when I, I mean, I think it's a classic like early 20s mistake Mm. of you have all these people who are telling you that they know better than you and you kind of are like, oh shit, I guess I shouldn't be my authentic self because it's like too complicated or too messy. And now the world's shifted so much. It's like the more unique you are, the more specific kind of the more likely you are to have any sort of career. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And I'm speaking about in the entertainment industry and in modeling and fashion. Mm -hmm. How did you have that ability or like what was the desire to be authentic? What did that cut? Was that part of your sobriety journey or was it just something that was always inside of you? It's a good question, Emily. Um, (laughs) I'm just curious because, Yeah. yeah. Kind of piggybacking off of I'm curious. I think... I have always been intensely curious. Mm. I've been, always been in pursuit of understanding, like in an annoying way. And in some cases to my, not like demise, but to my own pain, you know? And I think as a kid, it was always like, why, 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 why does the world function this way? Why does my mom do this? Why does this person do this? Why are people smoking cigarettes? I got to smoke a cigarette because I got to know what's up. Like I, you know, every single thing. Like you needed to try everything for yourself. Kind which of. Which was where it became dangerous. Yeah. But right. I think that like that's, that was just like one symptom. Like mm-hmm. me seeking relief in drugs and alcohol was just a symptom to a disease that in some, if honed, is curiosity, is in pursuit of dreams, is being okay with always wanting more. And then when it's not honed, which I can still default back into because we just are humans, is like 
it's never good enough. Who am I? I'm not enough. So I felt that the response, even as a really young person, I was like, my response to not enoughness is finding what is enough in me, which sounds really corny. Oh my God, I can't believe that came out of my mouth. But like, that really kind of was what it was. I also will shout out my mom and my like parents in that way is that they oriented my value and my esteem a lot around my person, who I was, how I thought, you know, like like scribble some like terrible thing on a paper. They'd be like, you're an artist, you know, or just I feel like I read your book and I loved it. And I feel like you also kind of had that experience. So there was a lot of esteem built around not just how you looked, you know, and that really did inform my freedom to be like, okay, well, I don't look like any of my friends. How I lean into looking even more less like my friends. So it's like in fourth grade, I'm like showing up and I'm like, I'm punk this year or like I'm doing this. Like I've, you can ask any of my friends from when, since I was a kid, I've never shied away from like trying something new, dressing different, doing something, whatever, speaking about stuff that's like not cute to speak about. Like I It was, sounds like you've just always been really interested in investing and cultivating an identity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's also because I felt very confused about mine at a very young age, I think, which is definitely not by any means oppression. It's an an estrangement that I had, I think, growing up mixed, growing up in a kind of confusing socioeconomic experience, going to school. Like, I feel like I had to provide myself with those answers through expression and who who I was. Yeah, Yeah, because there was nobody giving you that answer. Yeah. There was no clear, straightforward. There was no clear, straightforward thing. That must have been tremendously difficult, but it's also, like, why you are so uniquely yourself, which is how so many of these things work, right? It's, like, a negative thing, but something beautiful comes from it. Yeah. I really liked what you just said. I think you're talking about mental health and it's interesting. You, to me, are somebody who is one of the leading voices in mental health advocacy in the world, but also specifically in fashion, obviously. And there still is this sort of feeling around mental health of like sickness. Mm-hmm. Like it's something you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And what I love about your approach, and I think it just came through in what you were saying, is there's something very accepting of it mm. where you're not like, no, I have this thing I have to deal with. It's like, no, this is a part of who I am. And it's kind of beautiful. And it's also really hard. And I feel very lucky for the people that I have in my life because it's also like I'm at a place where very ununiquely at being in therapy and like medicated from a very young age, kind of against my parents' thing. Like I was like supposed to be medicated like 10, 11, whatever. I think my mom, my mom's like very natural. Um, like Which is good. Yeah, just like yeah. hippie vibes. And until like I was pushed, I was in so much pain and like so much discomfort and struggling so much that by 12, it was like, okay, I have to, I've gone on the meds. Subsequently the same year I started smoking weed and drinking mm. and doing, you know, not randomly but all that to say that it's like now I'm 31 and I'm confronting being in talk therapy and it's like babe we get it you can intellectualize your feelings like babe we understand you know why bitch we understand you know why so what else like what else my last session with my therapist this was what it was about yeah I was just like I'm so disappointed that I've done all this work and yet I still find myself in the same place the fuck like you know how do you actually change this yeah i heard you talk about this um in a different um thing where you were talking about like 
listening to your body. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, obviously been a huge theme of my last like five, I guess 10 years really in my life. And it is interesting, like how much your body is a part of your work as well. 100%. What it's is crazy. your relationship? I mean, I mean yeah. this is like a whole damn thing. Yeah, but <laughs> I know. All right, everyone, we will be right back after this with more Paloma. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. How have you learned to listen to your body more? And while subsequently, obviously, like commodifying it and learning to see it as beautiful, sometimes through that commodification, I hope. How do you like parse all that apart? I think this feels like I understand in like this very four or five year mark. Also, I'm sure that understanding of the function of your body what's really marked also by like having a baby, like these all these things. Yes. And then as it relates to work, I mean, what's really interesting is that with work, I can really kind of separate my body from my mind to under for, for in pursuit of the message. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like my mind is going to tell me a lot of things about my body. I'm by no means like wake up every day and I'm like, I'm so gorgeous and this is the best day ever to be me. <laughs> um, like that doesn't happen very often for people me. People that I think are like that I like can't help but not like. So. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, good for it's amazing and like I do also think it's quite punk mm-hmm. to do that. I don't have that experience yet. But definitely have like more, I teeter more to like the acceptance vibe a bit more or try or in pursuit of that being the thing. Yeah, I think getting to know myself by way of like kind of putting my mind down a little bit has been very powerful because it's like understanding like from a somatic and like sensory level, like what I consent to, what I'm comfortable with, what feels good. And what's interesting is that the job, which I'm sure you understand, like you have to sh- shut all of that off. You you do. It doesn't matter how safe, how sensitive, how thoughtful, how consenting the set is, how depraved the set might be, how whatever, like I'm not going to be like, I'm an empath, but like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm absorbent. I will say I'm absorbent and I'm clocking like when these things are happening. And it's like, you actually have to let the, what's the gate that like goes in front of the deli or whatever, you know, what's it called? Yeah, like, yeah, the, like that mm-hmm. shit has to like come down yes. or else I would cry on every single set I'm on. Mm-hmm. Like I would be crying on every single set that I'm on. Why do you think that is? Why would you be crying on every set? I think because again, it gripes on the enoughness, the since sustaining the career, making sure that also from a human level, which I oftentimes contend with, is like, am I in line with what's happening here? Like mm-hmm. where it's gonna be, how it's gonna, how it's gonna live, how my voice how how my voice is being used, how I'm being asked, how it's not being used, like all of these ways that feel very like contentious, you know? Yeah. So it's like Well, it is your identity, but you're also not in control. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're not fully in control, which is like I know is a part of it. But I can also kind of extract in part parts of my brain and be like, okay, this has a larger purpose. And also I'm grateful to and pointing to what you were saying earlier about yeah, like it being like, okay, this is a job and this is a career. Mm-hmm. And if my career is like centered towards or oriented towards like some 
larger purpose imperfectly. I'm he- not here to sell anything. I am so imperfect by in every facet of the word. But if I'm orienting towards integrity in the best way I know how, like today, mm-hmm. then it feels like, okay, sure. So that might mean that, yeah, I hate this outfit. I hate this, the lighting, the lighting yeah. or whatever. I hate or, how I'm being or seen. Or the photographer is like pissing me off or whatever. What's the larger purpose here? And how can try and like gather myself a little bit to see that it almost feels like it works maybe to your benefit with the the kind of emotional stuff yeah because you are connecting more to your body in some ways in a personal way rather than yes yeah well you just know when like oh this is this is what's coming up like this is what's happening i'm like cool i'm seeing this happen and whatever shout out my therapist is like whatever like i can now point to like what that feeling is Mm -hmm. Because I think it's been like repressed regulation. Like I feel like I'm in a much more like actual like regulatory phase of my life, mm-hmm. which is really shocking and honestly kind of like embarrassing and weird. Because I'm like, Why? oh, not embarrassing. Like I'm quite because I think I grew up also very woo woo. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of shame around when I'm like being woo woo. Um, so it'll be like, oh, I'm like sensing that like I'm feeling something in my stomach or whatever. And I could just be like, okay, cool. I'm feeling that. I'm letting it ride. I'm riding this wave and I'm letting it, you know, whatever the fucking thing is. But yeah, I feel much more in that. And I also feel that the my ex, my interior life is also very far more reflective of that that stasis, you know, like mm. my partner, mm-hmm. my friends, the people I surround myself with, like who I'm willing to give my time to, mm-hmm. who I'm willing to ask for time from, like are reflective of these kinds of markers of life, which feels really cool and fun and amazing. And I'm I, excited. I think that, I mean, for me, that's definitely been true in the last couple yeah. years. And I feel that that is um, a credit to turning 30. Totally. And just being like, wait, the mental the kind of yeah and the connection i had to being an adult oh that yeah yeah. and telling myself like you're an adult now Mm -hmm. you don't have to put up with that that or that and you know being able to reflect on my 20s and my experiences when i was younger has now given me the tools to like curate the kind of life i want and be Mm -hmm. less afraid of it yeah 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 which is god the afraid the the fear part is definitely also part of so much of it also yeah. like then this era i always say especially with my friends who, who are asking about like advice about men or people or partners or whatever and it's like oh like why am i doing this why am i responding this way like how do i respond to this how i mean by i'm definitely not like an expert <laughs> but, but you're in a good place yeah, so, but I'm yeah. In a good place and what i do know is that none of uh i not i can speak for myself like your my 20s were so marked by just crawling out of a hole of self-hatred which is like also the experience for like many women and people for sure but for sure women that it's like it's not really designed for you to like come out like whole it's designed for you to come out a little bit on the ground because it's like a full 10 years that you are it's designed to help you figure out that you don't have to hate yourself so much you know, so then you're expected, oh, that like at 30, you're supposed to be like, I know exactly how to respond to this guy and I don't want to be triggered about this person or I don't. And I'm like, bitch, you just crawled out of this era. We just got out of the trenches, barely. 
So I feel that now at 31, I'm like, okay, now how do I like use some of the things that I learned and apply it here? That's all I got. Like that's all I got. Totally. So when I have that same thing of like, oh, like I I hate how I'm responding to this. I'm like, again, bitch, you just crawled out the era. You just got out the hole. I love that. Like you just got out the hole and it allows us to be a bit gentler or allows me at least to be a bit gentler around everything. Totally. I mean, you have to forgive yourself for not always being the person that you wanted to be at 31 or 32 or 30 or whatever. Yeah. Um, But what I like about this moment in my life is I can at least recognize when I'm being put in a position where like it's a crossroads and it's like I could respond to this guy this way or this way. Mm -hmm. And like, do I want to try to rewire my brain and like answer in a different way than I would would have in the past or am I going to fall back into this pattern? I'm not going to beat myself up if I do, but I at least can recognize what's happening around me, which traditionally in my 20s, I had no way of doing that. No, no. No, I was giving crime and punishment. (laughs) Oh my God. Or whatever it was, you know. And it Um, also applies to work and all these things too. um, But I wanted to ask you what's next and then we do a little rapid fire question thing. All right, we just are going to ask a couple of these. Do you believe in ghosts? Yes. Period. Yeah, I, it's really funny. My boyfriend's mom just asked me this, like literally this weekend. I believe in ghosts because I believe in the universe and I also believe in God and like to my understanding. So it's like I don't have a super prescriptive idea of the way that like God looks or is, but I see it as like a spirit and like a thing that sometimes my friends sometimes it looks like Toni Morrison and sometimes whoever but like with that I think that spirits are like kind of all around us and that it would be pretty unimaginative and also narcissistic to think that we're like that's it like that's all we got there's so many things that are constantly happening like I also grew up in a super spiritual household so I feel like I've always oriented towards that belief mm-hmm. so, yeah i love god as tori tony morrison yes <laughs> that's great what turns you on connection spicy intellect that mm-hmm. definitely turns me on also just freedom like actual like freedom again back to the authenticity thing it's like there's no less sexy less like literally dry experience you can have with somebody or yourself when you feel restricted or feel ashamed or you feel weird so mm-hmm honestly like connection and authenticity that turns me on i mean i feel that i see that let's talk about what's next kind of a bunch of stuff i've always said this in some capacity but wanting to apply like the tenets and purpose to other things you know like modeling is still super important to me i think we still have a lot more to do um i feel really grateful to be like saddled in certain positions where it's like i can pick the team you know i can have these things happen um just being more authority but yeah i've always loved clothes so that's also been happening i've done a couple collaborations there's some really fun ones happening this year i'm really excited um yeah super fun ones happening this year i'm coming out with a photo book um in wow. september so please come oh my god that's so yeah. exciting pictures yeah. of you it's pictures of me yes. around um a surgery okay yeah so i think i know about this yeah i told you who briefly. shot zora oh amazing. yeah yeah so that's wow. gonna be really exciting okay. it's very personal but again speaking towards what i've always spoke to you is it's like there's no 
there's no heart for me if there's no honesty. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like I can't be 100% honest about things 100% of the time because that's actually dishonest for my existence. But in some cases, I find it necessary. This is one, and I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm very excited about that too. I think it's really um, talking about any kind of surgeries that we have to feel better about our bodies is a really controversial, interesting yeah. space. And I think it's going to be especially important that you talk about this. I think your perspective is going to be really valuable to people. So I'm excited about that. I will definitely come. Yeah, I will be well, buying a book. Buy the book. It's only 500 copies. Um, yeah, I know. Well, it's a, I'm like, it's pretty, it's like, and what is it? Not safe for work, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so that's coming in September. Some really fun collaborations. I have a Ganny collaboration coming out in the spring. I have another one that I can't announce. Wow. And then this other thing. So it's kind of just materializing all that stuff, getting also more involved in like some philanthropic stuff. I've on a personal like core thing. Um, harm reduction is super important to me. So I'm gonna start doing a lot more of that publicly, which is exciting. And yeah, just like I mean that's a lot you don't need to yeah. Trying to stay well. Trying to stay trying to get and stay well. Gorgeous. Like that's actually the the goal. Yeah, that's the actual goal. That's the actual goal. Yeah, I feel that. I'll see you in September, bitch. Oh, yeah, fuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm screaming. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Oh this God, was lovely. You. All right, everyone. That was Paloma Alcesser. I absolutely adored having her on here. I feel like we need to do another hour and have a part two where we get further into her writing and so many of her thoughts. I really liked talking to her about cultivating identity and her 20s and coming into her own space now and just that drive in her to kind of figure out who she is, no matter how specific it is, and and put herself out there. Um, I think that's a really inspiring perspective and story, especially from a black woman entering the fashion world, you know, which has traditionally not allowed, not only for the physical self to be, for there to be variety in the physical self, but also certainly with identity. There didn't used to be identity with models. So really inspiring to hear from her. And I'm excited to hear from all of you. Always go to hilo.fm to submit your voice notes. You can also call into the hotline 42 hilo 4 We use those voice notes for the subscription episode that comes out every Thursday. Thank you so much for listening. Hilo with Emrata is a Sony Music Entertainment and Bitch Era Media production. Our executive producers are me, Emily Ratajkowski, Matt Raz, and Sarita Wesley. Our showrunner is Matt Raz. Our associate producer is Rachel Choder. Today's episode was engineered by Samantha Gatsik with original music by The Crystal Pharaoh.